Cinephiles, audiophiles, ladies and germs, welcome to the Film Cult Podcast. Tonight, Alicia Bognano. But you might know her a little bit better through her band, Bully. Alicia, how are things? Uh, good. I'm doing well. I just tried a new Pop-Tart. My One of my best friends, Nick, lives down the street from me, and he also plays in Bully, and we always leave different kinds of Pop-Tarts in each other's mailboxes. So I just had a new one, and it was pretty good. What is the new Pop-Tart? He dropped off very berry, so it was like a purple frosting with a blue swirl and i was very suspicious at first but it was pretty good it helped it was yeah i wasn't disappointed so how has your pandemic been going have you found ways to cope with it like putting pop tarts in your guys's mailbox (laughs) um i mean it's been pretty depressing (laughs) i don't know yeah i mean lots of pop tarts um, I adopted another dog, so that's good. But I mean, it, I feel like it's like just waves of being like, oh my God, this is fucking horrible not being able to. Pl- oh, sorry. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Please, please okay. swear. I have away. a very, I have a trash mouth. Um, and it, it, yeah, it just goes through waves of being like, this fucking sucks. How am I going to deal with this? And then it's like, okay, let's just like adapt and move on. But. Not being able to tour for this long is like, it's killing me. Okay, well, how prepared were you to go tour this new album? We were like prepared to go leave for a year. I mean, they had, were mapping everything out and like everything was, well, we weren't too far. We didn't have to like cancel shows that were already announced because none of them were announced. So, but it's weird because you like spend three years writing a record and then you record it. And it's like, I don't know if I'll ever tour this record, which is, it is what it is. But I was kind of just like letting the third record linger for a while. And I was like, well, I'm just going to start writing the fourth because why not? What else am I going to do? You know, where do you think that we go from here? What do you think touring looks like? How long do you even think before we get back to any sort of normalcy? Um, there were, there was talk about hopefully, I mean, people hopefully wanted spring. That's not going to happen. Then there was talk about fall. Um, but it's really hard to say because at this point, you know, it's just like not really going to happen until everyone gets the vaccine. So, or it's available for everybody. So it's just, and, and who knows when that will be, I know they're working on it, but It's just none of us can really tell. I mean, hopefully at least by fall. But touring will be weird. I think it's either going to be like every show is going to be packed and everything, everyone's like going to be so excited or it's going to be kind of like, like, uh, like a slow start because everyone's still timid to be in rooms with a bunch of people. How have you felt about everybody kind of switching to live streams during this time have have you have you viewed any have you enjoyed this kind of fast-paced approach to still getting out there and kind of touring um i like that everyone's doing live streams i think right now it's just all that they can do so we're all having to adapt personally i would rather hear bully as a full band than me like figuring out a way to play it on my own um, and that's been a challenge, but I mean, at least I know how to do it now, I guess, if I need to. 
But I think like it's kind of the only way right now besides merch that artists can make money is like getting donations through live streams because most of us make a living touring, you know. Do do you like the fact that you're considered, well, Bully is considered to be a Nashville band? Have you kind of taken up that mantle at this point? Or is that still a little bit strange when people consider it to be this Nashville band? Uh, it's not strange only because I've been here for like 11 years. So it just, I don't know what other, what other, like where else we would be connected to. Maybe a lot of people think that we're out of Chicago, but, um, yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, Nashville's fine with me. It's pretty supportive and I just, I wasn't born here, you know, and I never thought that I would end up here. So it's, kind of strange to have been here for 11 years and be considered a Nashville band. But at this point, like, I don't know where else we would be, what other place we would be considered a band of. Well, how, how easy was it for you to find the art that you were really looking for when you were growing up in somewhere like Rosemont, Minnesota? Oh, it wasn't. (laughs) I never found it (laughs) until I like went to college. Um, No, I didn't. Nobody was in bands in high school. There was one band I knew of when I was a freshman. It was a group of four senior dudes, and that was the only band I ever knew to come through Rosemont High School. Um, So, yeah, it was just, there wasn't much going on as far as music and art goes, or at least not in my life at the time. What were some of the initial things that you learned when you started interning at at Steve Albini's Electrical Audio Studios? And have you kind of thrown that away at this point? Or do you really still see yourself falling back into these old habits that you were learning there whenever you step into a studio to record something? Oh, yeah. No, I haven't thrown any of those away. I think those shaped my, like, a huge part of my career probably for the rest of my life. But that's because when I was there, I was, you know, learning a lot of mic techniques and things about the tape machines and all of that stuff. And that was, that was kind of like the first time I was fully immersed in a studio environment and felt that, um, like I was kind of getting the hang of it. So, and I think aside from that, there's just a level of professionalism there that, um, I'm, that I'm really thankful that I was able to experience because, you know, so much of things now are recorded at home. And I think there's a lot of blurred lines and stuff with that. And it was just, it was cool to be in a studio where everyone took their jobs very seriously and knew everything about each piece of equipment and were like more than willing to educate you if you had any questions. And yeah, it was it was a great experience. What do you notice that you do when you step into a room to, to try to get the sound the way that you want it? Is there anything that you, that you move around or, or a way that you look at a room? Is there anything engineering in your head when you step in there? Yeah. I mean, I would say generally I would just look for an open area for drums so you could get some of the rooms room sound if that was like something I was looking for and then some isolation uh with the amps um so that they don't bleed into that and then I usually track vocals after that wherever is either in a big room where you can also have a room mic that you want to add in there or you know a small space but it just depends on 
where you are um, and like the project and what sort of isolation is needed for it, I'd say. Can you see yourself ever designing your own recording studio at some point? Oh, that's my dream. Yes, I would love to do that. That's the dream. Well, and around the same time that, that Bully came to be, you were doing some uh, some film work, some sound mixing. Did you ever see yourself maybe going down that route and not focusing on music at, at some point? Um, I think, I mean, the goal was always for me to do music. So there was never a time where I thought that might take over, but I would love to do that. I, I, uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. It was fun. It was fun to be on set. I don't even remember the name of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's called Closer <laughs> to God. It's this yeah, like a li- little sci-fi horror movie. <laughs> so did you? What did you learn the most from that experience? To say speed when they call sound. <laughs> 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 no, I mean yeah. It's- what I remember I don't know I, I remember feeling uncomfortable <laughs> just because I was like in a space with a bunch of like a crew that was familiar with each other and I didn't really know anybody but it was cool I don't know yeah I learned to like avoid the wind and 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 just stay keep on my toes well and then you had Alex Ross Perry ask you to write some songs for for his flick her smell was it was this a liberating experience? Did you did you enjoy this? I loved it because it it was like the first opportunity that I got to write something that wasn't for bully, and it was just so nice to take a break from that and focus on something else. And it was cool to read a script and then base your song on how you think the character is feeling in that scene. Um, and I loved doing it. It was it was really fun and. It was also like a good lesson because it was the first time that I was like, here's the music, but then it gets, you know, uh, taken over by somebody else because Elizabeth Moss was performing it. And it was cool to just kind of have that be under your control until a certain point and then just be like, okay, whatever happens after this with it, I'm just going to have to deal with. And it was just, it was cool. I, I really liked it. How much did film play in your life growing up? I didn't. There was like four of us kids growing up and TV just, it wasn't a huge thing in our household. But I think it was like when I kind of turned 18 and, um, you know, like went through the classics like David Lynch and whoever else was Anderson. But then I got really into Wong Kar Wai. He's like one of my favorite filmmakers of all time and Pedro Almodovar and um, Jim Jarmusch and Sofia Coppola. And that was like when I think that I realized there were movies out there that I really loved and that could like influence me creatively. Um, but that wasn't until I was in college well, you, you definitely have some, some cinematic elements to a lot of Bully songs. So I, I was definitely curious how much film plays a role when, when you're writing lyrics to these songs. Yeah, I'm always looking for, like, if, if seeing a really, really, really good movie to me is um, one of my favorite things ever. 
only because I feel like it's only been within like the past 11 years that I realized a movie could kind of affect me in the way that a good one does. And so I always have a list of ongoing documentaries and movies um, that I need to watch, but it's like finding a good movie has the same effect as like finding a record that you are totally in love with, you know? Um, And yeah, I mean, I don't, think about movies much while I'm writing I don't think um but it plays a big role and like at the end of the night when I want to take a break and and focus on something else that's usually what I'm looking forward to and what helps reset me that and, and podcasts I listen to a lot of podcasts but yeah if you have any recommendations please send them my way I'm always looking for new movies Malcolm and Marie for sure film of the year so far Malcolm and Marie yeah what was your inspiration though to to want to go into the engineering side of sound did you want to just learn as much as you possibly could before you became an artist yourself or did you kind of just fall into this um it was my first exposure to anything music related so I kind of thought that if I went along with that I could you know um, be a few steps closer to actually writing and playing my own music. Um, so yeah, I think I just, I really liked it because it was the first opportunity I had, um, to like be involved in that career path. Well, and then Sugar Egg now sees you kind of going a little bit solo within the bully realm have you have you kept on this kind of a mindset during this pandemic? Have you been writing a lot? Have you been kind of going down this exact same path that you wrote that album with? Yeah, I I have, but I think that record really um just having it been my third record, I just knew what I I I had someone else engineer it and I think I took steps to sort of uh taking myself out of the box that I had put myself in a little bit, like not having such strict rules on myself. And I feel that unraveling even more with the stuff I'm working on now, you know, it's like I'm having fun just messing around and even messing with synths here and there, which is stuff I never would have done. And it's nice to write without a deadline because I'm just writing what's fun for me in the moment. And then, you know, deciding after if it's something that I think works for bully or if it's just something that I'll keep for myself and not uh, put out. And I think that, you know, being in COVID and having the whole touring thing be so unknown right now, it's, it's cool to be able to kind of, you know, mess around creatively and not have to get things done in a certain amount of time and just, allow yourself that space having the possibility to really reset the music industry is there any mistakes any things that you would like to see corrected during this time because everything is at a standstill when we come back what are what are some of the biggest things that you want to see corrected do you mean on on the touring side or all all the way around we we can go from big bloated corporations 
buying out buildings and screwing over little artists all the way down to misogyny. Honestly, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of problems within the music industry. I'm very curious as to like some of the things you'd like to see get corrected during this reset period. Um, I mean, I would like to see misogyny corrected every day, all the time, (laughs) but I think specifically with COVID, something that's been really important is just the emphasis on actually buying people's records and paying for music because it's, I mean, like I said, that and merch is kind of all people have right now since you're not touring and I'm hoping that just sinks into some of the fans to support artists in that way, but I also kind of want venues to reopen uh, in a healthier way. Um, And I'd like them to have more resources for artists as far as like mental health stuff goes and sobriety support and stuff. It's kind of like touring is this a lot of times this environment that's just a bunch of waiting and it's very inviting for unhealthy habits. And I think this time is maybe a good time for venues to kind of consider how they're going to reopen again and and what they can do differently. But that's just a personal opinion and thought that I have when I tour. Um, But yeah, I would say the main takeaway is just buying music. (laughs) Let's get a little bit political for a minute. (laughs) Uh, do, Do you feel like you're sleeping a little bit better at night? Now that an, <laughs> a, a, an, an orange fascist is out of the office, and uh, I, Absolutely. You, you don't really like have a lot of political things in your music, but there is that political like edge to it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, do, do, yeah, do you do you feel like enough is being done, even now that he is out through the progressive side of of politics in the United States? Uh, I mean, I think it's constantly a work in progress. I think it's a huge step to have Biden in office, but, you know, we still have so much that we need to work on. And um, yeah, so I don't think I I think it's a a step in the right direction, but I don't think it's a cure for anything. When when you're getting down to writing lyrics, is this a do you usually write all of your music before you you put lyrics to your songs or is it kind of a before thing and then you're trying to match the music to your lyrics? Um, no, they go hand in hand. I usually pick up an instrument and start writing with that. And then I start building the vocal melody up with the instrument parts and then, um, focus on the lyrics after that. I kind of do them at the same time. Do you primarily write on guitar or do you, or do you know any other instruments? Do you write on piano to percussion, anything else? Mainly just, um, guitar and bass. I write on bass a lot. Which one do you feel like you like the most? I don't know. It's hard to say. I think I like them both equally for sugar. Egg, it was like, I had got done recording a lot of songs and then kind of went back to the drawing board. And when I went back to it, I wrote, where to start and let you. And I, it was nice to kind of just feel like I was out of ideas on guitar and that I could pick up bass. And it's like a, it's like a fresh page for me. It's like, if I feel like I'm not coming up with anything on the bass, I switch to guitar and vice versa. So they both serve their purpose. Um, 
And yeah, I like them the same, I think. <laughs> Is there a certain style that you've thought about doing or, or even experimented with with your voice? Is there anywhere that you want to take it? Um, <laughs> I don't have that good of a voice, so it's kind of like <laughs> options are limited. <laughs> I mean, I don't have like a, you know, there's things I can do with my voice, but I'm not like, um, I'm no, I'm no, uh, Celine Dion. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to say it right now. You're, you're much better than Celine Dion. <laughs> no way. Um, no, I, I am, I am writing a bunch of cool stuff with it. That's sort of what I'm used to and, and, uh, sort of new. And yeah, that's again, something I'm just trying to keep my options open for you know I never like think ahead of time like I'm gonna write this that's gonna sound like this genre it's always just like me picking up something and then seeing what comes out of it and then going from there so uh yeah I mean I would say I'm exploring my options can you see yourself staying in Nashville for the long haul no I think I'm gonna move soon (laughs) Well, how has it been being a, being a punk rocker, essentially, in the very, very country Nashville? It's, I've like, since I've been here, only kind of known the indie rock scene. So it's fine for me because uh, I kind of know like, you know, what shows to go to and stuff and like the places that aren't super country, like Broadway Street. But I don't know. I mean it's weird it's it's fine but it's like it's weird when you kind of tap into the world of like or like run into the world of like very you know like ways that they will like co-write together and like song formulas and like their kind of like process and business end of things is it's weird bumping into that just because it's interesting to think about and so completely different um, than how I feel like I operate as a musician and in the writing process. But, um, I mean, it's fine. There's so much going on here. It's like, it's completely blew up. Rent has doubled in the past four years. Like no joke. It's just, it's insane. Um, so there's kind of a little bit of everything going on. Do you get offers all the time to go mix other people's stuff? No, um, I do like, you know, in, more in the rock scene. Like I have um, Peachies from here. They're an awesome, like three-piece punk band and stuff like that I'll run into. But I, I don't get offered to mix country stuff. I wouldn't do it. I probably wouldn't do a good job. Well, Alicia, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, it really means a lot. I hope you had some fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. Make sure to catch Alicia Bognano's band Bully and the new album Square Egg out on Sub Pop Records. And this concludes our broadcast day.